Hello, and welcome to Rehydrate. This season, we are reading and discussing uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. This is a special episode where we're going to be talking more about the events of the second book of the trilogy, which is Foundation and Empire, which has a lot of relevance to historical events that happen in Roman history. I'm joined today by a old friend of mine, Jason, who is a expert in my eyes on Roman history. So welcome, Jason. Thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for having me here. So just a little background on you. Um, what got you interested in Roman history and what's your, your background on it? You know, uh, it goes back to when I was a kid and going to like game shops and seeing little model figures and like seeing the, the Roman legions all ranked up. And it was just exciting to me to think that uh, people got together and fought like this and, and ranked legions and they conquered so much. And it was very stirring to my imagination. And so that that sent me on to a, a lifetime of uh, passion of reading about Roman history and, and ancient history in general. Foundation, I know you haven't read it, but like it's just, just for your background and you know why why have you on today is because Foundation is really based off of it's loosely based on the Roman Empire, the fall of the Roman Empire specifically. The story is more about a big galactic empire. It's it's set in space. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's a big galactic empire, but that's been around for uh, unknown period of time, at least unknown to me. Um, but it's like tens of thousands of years. The the empire has gotten so big and so bloated, and um, and also like they're stagnating, right? So like the the premise of the of the book and the series is that the empire is kind of kind of kind of placed in, in like where they're at, and and now they're sort of uh, you know a lot of political infighting and the like rulers of the empire. Everything is based on the prediction that the empire is going to fall, and because of all these factors, and like people like forget about technology, they forget forget about like how to do stuff, and they just like. They kind of sit on their laurels and like say like oh things just work no problem like I don't need to worry I don't know I don't need to worry about how nuclear reactors work they just work you know like they don't care about that stuff yeah, um, yeah. and so that's the kind of general context but for this episode specifically um, there's a story that is called the general and it's really focused around this one general who is named uh, Belrios which I think is very <laughs> similar to the the actual name of, yeah <laughs> and and Eisenhoff has specifically said like this story is based off of him. Uh, or of that story. So like the the, the context uh, in the in the book is that this general is like really trying to, it's like the last throes of the empire, really trying to re-expand the territory, really trying to um, kind of take over what's called the periphery uh, lands that, that the foundation has kind of lost control over, not control over, but just like they're, they're sort of on the edges and like they're not as in direct control as they were. The problem is that he does all this stuff and he's a really good tactical leader. But at the end of the day, like, because he is so good at tactics, like the emperor gets worried that he's going to start overthrowing him and he's going to like try to seize power. Uh, and so he's eventually recalled and even executed uh, for his role. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I found the story really interesting. And then I went back and looked at some of the history. Like I looked at like some of like the history behind it and saw the like, oh, it's based off of like a true Roman story, like, you know, from Belisarius and Justinius. And then I was like, oh, Jason knows a lot about that stuff. So I should ask him about it. Uh, so that's why um, I wanted to bring you in. So that's kind of the background. So maybe you can give us a little bit of the historical background of like what really happened between uh, Justinius and Belisarius. Yeah, it definitely uh, sounds like it's a good parallel between uh, the actual history of Belisarius and Justinian and uh, and the foundation. I've never read Foundation before, so my opinion is uh, from the perspective of not having even read the story. I don't know what's going on, but I know I know about Belisarius pretty well. Uh, he he was one of the great last great Roman generals, and by great I mean like of a scale and stature that 
uh, you're conquering new nations and, and expanding the empire. He was the last guy to truly do this uh, for the Romans. And yeah, the, the relationship between Justinian and Belisarius was a very strange one. Uh, you know, Justinian completely uh, believed in Belisarius's abilities because he was able to score incredible victories. A Justinian would, would send Belisarius off on these impossible missions with a skeleton crew of, of uh, infantry and cavalry and he would still make it happen. And that mm. would just enrage Justinian even more. It, it's <laughs> kind of like Justinian kind of figured, well, this guy might, he'll probably fall at some point and then this problem will be gone, but I'll still gain something from it. But Belisarius never fell. He just won again and again. And so then, you know, he would send him off on uh, a conquest of Africa and then he conquered it. And then he'd, before he's even done, he'd pull him back or the conquest of Italy. And he would be, he'd do it and then you pull him back and then it would, the situation would fall apart because he's not there to maintain the situation. I remember reading some stuff about like the end of, you know, and similar to this story where Belarius is, is, uh, is executed. I don't think Belisarius is executed, but like, what was the, the end, end part of the relationship? Like how did that relationship end between the two? Yeah, the, there was a multi, it really, Belisarius got himself in hot water a, a multitude of times. And this is one of the great things that it's kind of like a mystery because you don't have a lot of uh, historical recordings about how it really played out. But every single time, Belisarius was able to squirm his way out of trouble. Uh, the worst one was at the end. He was accused of corruption and he was mm -hmm. imprisoned for it. But he never was executed by Justinian. And in fact, Justinian regretted what he did. And then he released him and gave him full honors afterward. Uh, so there was this back and forth between the two. <laughs> it's, it, they're like the odd couple, you know, like Justinian <laughs> can't live without Belisarius. And Belisarius is at, at the beck and call of the emperor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so in the story also, like Belrios is also like uh, supposedly like a really good tactician. You know, he has like this... Um, this theory, uh, not this theory, but this, this tactic that he uses called like a, a sphere where he like encircles like the systems uh, in a sphere and like it kind of cuts off the supply and like gets and has the idea that like that's how he's going to conquer the land. So I'm guessing that Belisarius also had very a lot of famous tactics that he used um, to win these battles. Yeah, when you read uh, about the ancient warfare, you're, you're it's really uh, notable how few leaders know what the heck they're doing. Like they'll just they'll look at their tr their troops as expendable, you know, like they're playing a game for them. You know, like a lot of these leaders, it is a game and it's just about power and they care nothing about the lives of their troops. But Belisarius was much like Caesar. He cared a lot about every last troop because e even if Belisarius looked at it as a game, it was still he wanted to keep all his play all his pieces. You know what I mean? And so he was a meticulous strategist. Uh and, and he took opportunities and led from the front whenever a, a good time to do so. For instance, when he crushed the Vandals, you know, think about this, an, enti an entire barbarian nation rampaged through Gaul, through Spain, through Africa and conquered Africa, okay? And that was the fall of the Western Roman Empire. Then Belisarius shows up with barely a legion of troops and he crushes them. He, he has, he has uh, his ace in the hole is his personal guard of cavalry who are probably some of the best troops of their time. They're, they have studied the ways of the barbarians. They use uh, bows from horseback. They use lances and they use the power of the horse. And so there was a, a horde of about, you know, tens of thousands of these vandals just doing their usual barbarian thing, milling about, 
not really paying attention to what's going on. Belisarius shows up to the scene with his uh, veteran uh, cavalry unit, and he's outnumbered 10 to 1. And his idea is, all right, we're going to charge him right now. Let's go. He <laughs> does it. He destroys the entire Vandal kingdom in that one day. He, con- he, he captures the king, mm. and, and it's over. And, and Rome now, now uh, controls Africa again. I mean, to think that uh, a, a nation that destroyed the Western Empire was able to do that and, and unstopped for so long, and Belisarius comes uh, around with a tiny army and he destroys them. It's incredible. So how was he, uh, was he able to do, I mean, like you said, he's outnumbered 10 to one and like, was it just like training of his troops or did he have like special tactics on the battlefield where he was able to, you know, out- outmaneuver the, the, his enemy? But knowing uh, when to take the initiative is a tactic unto itself. Knowing mm-hmm. uh, when you're, the enemy is so unfit to, to be fighting and your situation and your troops ready to go, uh, that itself is, is a tactic. Uh, now, you know, Belisarius uh, did more classic versions of tac- uh, tactics. Like, for instance, uh, during the Battle of Dara, he had um, poor infantry, but he had some excellent uh, Hunnic uh, cavalry mercenaries, and he wanted to, to use the Huns and expend their lives rather than his Roman uh, uh, legion, right? Mm-hmm. So he, what he did was he d- dug a bunch of these deep ditches, and he witnessed this in previous battles from the Persians. Uh, he was battling against the Persians. He dug these deep ditches to channel the cavalry so that they could, uh, the, so that their uh, pathways and where they wanted to go had to uh, uh, be channeled into the Hunnic cavalry instead of the, the ranked up uh, legions. And so that's what happened. And the, the Huns were be- better fighters anyway, and the, de- the day was won. And, and, and that was like a more set piece strategy uh, moment for Belisarius and how he uh, used his uh, uh, tactics uh, appropriately to channel the enemy and then win. Stepping back a little bit, can you talk a little bit more about like what period of Roman history that this actually is? You know, a lot of people are kind of familiar with and, and vaguely like, oh, it's Caesar and whatever, right? So like, um, like where in the 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 course of Roman history did did, did this part lie? Let, let me give you a chronology because to give you a set, uh, an idea of the scale, the scope. Because th- when I do this, it's a match for foundation. You say like this is like a an empire that lasted ten thousand years. Well, the, by the time of Belisarius, this is an empire that lasted hundreds of years, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Rome was founded back in uh, 753, and then it became a republic. Uh, but then Caesar came along. And, uh, and because of the size of their conquests and everything, it was becoming increasingly unfeasible to keep it all together as a republic. There were too many ambitious individuals. So Caesar eventually... Uh, took the initiative and turned it into something a little more uh, permanent. You know, he's a, per- a dictator for life. And then mm. Augustus came and solidified that. And then the, the empire was born. And this is just the beginning of the story. For hundreds of years, the empire expanded. It, uh, uh, and, and it solidified itself. It, it um, solidified its borders. Uh, it made uh, allies with barbarian princes and pitted barbarians against each other so that the Romans did not have to fight them. But then, you know, as time went on, people began to realize, well, why is there an emperor? Why can't I be emperor? And there was a civil war after civil war. This, this increased more and more so. There was drains upon the empire. There were famines and plagues and also uh, major population shifts uh, in the world. And the, all these things took its toll on the empire. And eventually it fragmented into two, uh, the Eastern and Western empire. 
And then eventually, finally, the Western Empire fell because it did not nearly have the same kind of resources as the Eastern did. And the Eastern Empire uh, eventually became the Byzantine Empire. And, and this, this, this turning point between Roman Empire and Byzantine identity is exactly where uh, Belisarius is operating. It's, mm. it's, it's the beginning of a new age, really, of a smaller empire, but still a potent one that lasts for um, really another thousand years. And, and, if, and, and not in small measure because of the efforts of uh, Belisarius and Justinian, the vision of Justinian and the, and the military acumen of Belisarius solidified the Roman identity in the East and crushed any further opposition for uh, much time, uh, for another couple hundred years. It let, it, it, his activities led to the uh, stability of the Eastern Empire. At this point, when the when uh, Justinian and Belisarius were going, was the empire seeing as failing? Like, was it like on the verge of collapse? And it seemed like there's a lot of external threats. You have the Persians and the the Vandals and the Huns or whatever um, coming in and like you know threatening the the empire. Like, was the empire on the verge of collapse until Belisarius kind of re-expanded it? I think that uh, so so the Western Empire had just collapsed, but there was still that that spark of the old uh, civilization throughout all these lands throughout. Spain, even Gaul and Italy, you know, the original citizens who live there still live there. They just serve different masters now, the barbarian kings. So that that was still available to be grabbed. And some some uh, measure of the spark of the old times could still be regained by reconquering it. And that's why Justinian did so. The East was pretty strong at the time. It was pretty robust. It even had control of uh, Egypt and, uh, and Syria and Judea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all, all of Asia Minor. Um, so it was, it was pretty strong at the time, but it still had just as throughout the entire history of the Roman Empire. I mean, there was always a, a mighty kingdom to the east, whether it was the, you know, like the Persians or the Parthians. Um, and it was always a problem perpetually. I would say the barbarian problem escalated over time. And, and it got to the point where it was pretty intensely bad during the Byzantine uh, Empire of the late Eastern Roman Empire. Uh, I mean, even uh, Belisarius, one of the last things he did was defend Constantinople from yet another barbarian incursion. They were right at the walls of Constantinople itself, the the capital of the empire. Mm. So yeah, things were pretty tenuous uh, at all times. It was an ongoing game to keep it together uh, century after century. But they're, I guess, they're able ultimately able to defend Constantinople from from that attack. And yes, yes, Belisarius, Belisarius crushed the the barbarians yet again. <laughs> <laughs> as as a more ignorant person of Roman history, so why I guess why hadn't people like me have heard of him before? Like, what's his place in history? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I think because the story of what Rome is was so old by that point. I, I think people are like, oh, well, it's just another Roman general who did some things, but, but it's uh, harder to see, to contrast it uh, with all the rest of the history and, and the, the scope of what he was able to do. I mean, I think the most impressive things that Belisarius did was he was given like almost nothing and told to go on an impossible, impossible mission. And every single time he figured out a way to make it work and not just make it work, but make it a crushing victory. I mean, that's that's the spark of genius that that you always look for uh, in an interesting story. You know, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know why he doesn't uh, rise even higher than, say, Caesar or uh, Trajan, but he deserves to be. 
And how about uh, Justinian? How is he regarded as far as like Roman emperors or Roman leaders? I think that he would be regarded. He is well regarded. He's regarded as a man who had vision in a time when so many other emperors would just be like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to do this. I just want to hang out at the court and, uh, you know, drink wine and uh, <laughs> and not get assassinated. Um, but Justinian had the gall to think, no, I'm going to restore the empire and I'm going to do it on my terms and with as little material and resources possible. But, you know, uh, he could have been a great figure of history, if not for his jealousy. It mm-hmm. was it was really it was very on display you know (laughs) but you know it's not unwarranted i mean there were pretenders to the throne all the time he was right to be paranoid because people were always after the throne so and on the other hand you have to kind of like think about what it'd be like to be emperor and it's it's never fun most emperors (laughs) die by the dagger (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i mean that's similar in the story too where the the emperor of the of the of the galactic empire is is also like always under threat and he's always like he, his predecessor had been you know a couple of predecessors previously had been murdered oh, yeah. <laughs> and so like he's you know he's he's you know looking out also and so like he sees like this he sees this threat uh you yeah. know looming and so the the idea like the the moral of the story in the book anyway the the empire is going to fall because you can't have both a strong emperor and a strong military leader you yes. know one, one or the other right, right. <laughs> otherwise right. like they're going to come into conflict and you know yeah. one of them's going to win and then you know the cycle's going to repeat so yeah the, be- the best thing you can hope for is that the emperor is the strong general but that's not easy to achieve sometimes you can but most a lot of the time you can't yeah <laughs> And oftentimes a, a good a good uh, general doesn't make for a good emperor. And then like, for instance, during the, the uh, fourth century, the 380s, uh, it was known, known as the time of the uh, soldier emperor. And uh, these guys uh, ran the empire terribly. And, and because of that, they, they ruined the empire. It was that this time period uh, tapped the, the resources of the empire incredibly uh, in, in terms of manpower with endless civil wars. Uh, that these soldier emperors were waged b- between each other. And so, yeah, it's a, it's, there was a magic time in the beginning of the empire when uh, people regarded the emperor as almost a, a deity, like for real. But, that, yeah. but then with the advent of Christianity, that melted away. And people mm-hmm. began to see the emperor as a political figure necessarily, not necessarily a god. And so then, you know, generals are like, well, he's just a guy. Well, maybe I should be emperor. <laughs> and so so you see i think in a way christianity uh contributed to the fall of the empire hmm. even even though it played a, a role in stabilizing it for some time but i think it just it just added to the the uh lack of centralization that was necessary to maintain an empire so when you mentioned civil wars was it like specifically like the church versus the state fighting oh no 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 no, no, no. These were always uh, between power groups. It was never a religion thing uh, mm. during the Roman Empire. It was always between, it was always a, a general who had sway with a group of legions, whether they, they were the Danube legions or the, the Germanic legions or the legions of the East. It usually usually uh, there would be a general or some figure, political figure, who for one reason or another had sway over a given group of soldiers. And that was always the, the, the nucleus of all these factions. Religion was just kind of like a, a side, oh. side thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Well, so for listeners, like, is there any other stories that like you would recommend, um, you know, that maybe like, you know, we all kind of know, like I said, like the story of, of Julius Caesar, like we kind of vague notions of like what that's like, but like, you know, to me, like this piqued my interest, not only because of the book, because like, oh, like there's a lot of stuff I just don't know about. So like, what are other stories that you would recommend or, you know, periods of history that you would recommend like more lay people uh, look into and, and that would be interesting? If you like the concept of, of this gradual decline of, a, of an empire, I would continue to read about the Byzantine Empire. Mm. And, you know, like uh, we're talking about times, the times of Belisarius was about uh, 520 AD, 540, somewhere around there. The, the Byzantine Empire lasted until uh, 14 something, you know, mm. it wow. has a lot, it has many stories of of fighting off the barbarians, of nearly losing Constantinople, of of a slow degradation of an empire, and there's a lot of stories about uh, what that looks like. And you know, uh, just as an amusing aside, uh, the fall of Constantinople. You know, you ever remember the uh, the movie uh, The Avengers of Baron Munchausen? I never do, saw it, do, but I've... oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe one of your uh, listeners maybe remember, but that 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 scene with the battle, you know, uh, of the city—that's the fall of Constantinople. That's what they're doing right there. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's not relevant to you though if you don't remember that. Um... <laughs> uh, and so, when did they start losing the identity of of being Roman versus the Byzantine Empire, or did they? It was a very gradual thing. The the East Empire was dominated by Greek language and culture, and then the West was dominated by Latin uh, language and culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why, in a lot of ways, why the empire, the original empire, split into West and East is because there was this kind of uh, different cultural identity between the two sides, um, and. Uh, and so, so like to to say an exact point of when it split, it's hard to say because it's a very gradual thing. Even in the even in the uh, the building of the empire initially, like uh, during the first Caesars, these div- divisions of culture existed. And, and over time, they became uh, you know ro- the Romans always admired the the degree of culture and history that came out of the East because it was older and it had been there for like a thousand years since before the Roman Republic. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it, it was a it was a solid cultural uh, foundation for a, a different kind of civilization, and this is what the Byzantine Empire was really built on. Cool. Well, any other things that you wanted to talk about, or uh, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm sure you can talk about Roman history all day, but oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's about yeah about all I can think of at at the moment. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will also appreciate your perspectives. And oh, yeah. if you ever have any more Roman stuff to talk about, by all means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like this, this series is seven books long and we're only like just starting the second book. So you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot more parallels to actual Roman history. So if that, that comes up to, and then uh, all right. definitely, definitely uh, uh, consult with you <laughs> as, my, <laughs> as my resident Roman expert. <laughs> Um, Wait, yeah. <laughs> and if you have time, like I definitely recommend, you know, checking out these books too. Cause I think, I think you would enjoy them. I mean, they're, they're, they're older sci-fi books, uh, especially, you know, with your background. Um, but the first couple ones are really short, you know, only like, uh, 250 pages for, per, for the first couple of books. So yeah, I think you, you, I think you would find it interesting. Um, I bet, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's also a TV show that's based off of it, but I haven't seen it yet, man. Really? I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews. <laughs> it's like on, a, cur- uh, a current one? Yeah, yeah. It's on Apple TV Plus. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's uh, I, I haven't seen it yet because I don't want to get spoiled on the book. But oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The you know apparently like the concepts are similar, but the story is kind of different. But anyway, I would uh, I would recommend checking that out if you have time, or, or yeah, just read you know give the first book a read and to see see if you like it. It's you know it's an older style, but I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and just a final note about the show. So we normally put episodes out every two weeks, but we've had some scheduling uh, problems. So that's why this next episode is going to be a little bit delayed, but it's coming soon. So again, thank you very much, Jason, for for joining us. Really appreciate your, your insights. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Yes, yeah. And please uh, check out rehydrate.space for updates to the show and reading lists, pronunciation guides, all that stuff. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.